This is a warning, sugar. You're about to listen to the masters of the obvious. But I'm going to keep it real with you, my sweet babies. These mamas ain't masters of shit. It's just two stone-cold foxes and their feminist agenda. But if you dig sexy things like interviews down by the fireplace, talking nerdy and little double entendre, keep on keeping on, because they're about to lay it on you. Right on. And welcome to episode 18 of Masters of the Obvious. I'm Kirsten Bozio. And I'm Cynthia Rose. On this episode, we have Timothy Heller on to talk about her music, OnlyFans, and play a game of Mary Fuck Kill. And Kirsten and I discuss nerd news and new comic releases. But first, we'd like to remind you to go to mastersoftheobvious.com. We have a ton of merch for sale. And if you'd like to support this pod by taking advantage of free shipping in the U.S., well, we really appreciate you. And hey, are you a weeping angel? Because I can't take my eyes off of you. And you can check out our shop and show your support at mastersoftheobvious.com. So, Kirsten, what have you been up to? Well, that's a that's a tough question because during quarantine, all the days kind of blur. And I'm like, did I talk about this last week? <laughs> is time real? How did I get here? This is not my beautiful life. Um, How did I get these big shoulder pads? Honestly, what a fucking fashion and dancing pioneer. Mm-hmm. It's hard to mimic that shit. When it's hard to mimic, that's when it's high art. I feel like super, super awkward, nerdy people have these insane dances that there's just no way to recreate because it's just tourists. Yeah. Like any of the, any, anybody that is kind of stiff and super awkward, they make it look cool. And then you try to do it and you're like, nah, I don't, that doesn't work for me. I don't have the talent to excuse this. (laughs) Also, I feel like you have to have a certain body type to pull it off. Like you gotta be lanky. You gotta be lanky. Yeah, that's why um, Deanne Always Sunny looks good doing the wacky waving <laughs> inflatable tube man. It's not as funny otherwise. No. Yeah, uh, I've been watching Lovecraft Country. I think I'm on episode four or five now. It stresses me the fuck out. I don't know why I keep watching it except for that it's it's good. Like yeah. it's objectively good, but it stresses me the fuck out. I feel like that's kind of why I put it on pause because I wasn't handling it well. Yeah, totally. And I can't even imagine if it was, if it hit even closer to home, what the yeah. watch would be like, or it could be cathartic. Art kind of has a way of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then a little palette cleanser has been, I found the WWE TikTok page Ooh. <laughs> and it reignited my excitement for wrestling. It's been a long time, longer than even you since mm-hmm. I watched wrestling and I'm fucking on board. There's a weird thing going on with Alexa Bliss where she's like a Harley Quinn type character. Yeah, I saw that. Insane and being manipulated. And it looks awful and campy, which means I want to watch it. (laughs) Which means prime wrestling. That's all I've been up to. What have you been up to? I watched a lot of stuff this week. I finished Harley Quinn season two. 
Ooh. It was great. And I watched a full season of Avenue 5. Holy shit. That makes me so happy. Let's talk about Avenue 5 because no one else is. I loved it. It was so funny. Oh my God. And just, it just kept getting funnier and more nuanced. And I just, I loved it. Also, it's nice to see him out of the house character because people forget that he kind of has his roots in um, comedy. Like he did Black Adder, March's Fourth. That's like a BBC show. Like he does comedy really well. He also goes in and out of an American accent really well. <laughs> like he was just going back and forth. Oh God, really great. Really, it really honestly great. works very well. And it has our buddy Olaf in it. <laughs> I was just going to call him Olaf. I'm like, what the fuck is his name? Olaf. He doesn't have a name. He's forever Olaf now. It's Olaf and House. <laughs> Olaf and House. We're not going to remember your names. That's your fault for playing such an iconic character. It's not our fault. Mm-hmm, You're the mm-hmm. dummy. <laughs> right. But fantastic. Love fantastic it. cast. Fantastic show. Highly recommend. It was way more fun than Space Force. Yeah. 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 My husband didn't think so. My husband likes Space Force more, but I disagree. Well, that's kind of our unpopular opinion, too, because neither of us are like super big Office fans. No. But to be fair, I really haven't. I I just never really gave enough of a shit to watch the American Office. I definitely watched all of it and I liked it, but I don't understand the enduring obsession with it. Like, I feel like if I revisited it, I wouldn't enjoy it as much. I also finally started watching the seventh season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Blown away. Totally exceeded all expectations that I had. And I have been holding on to it because I've been trying to savor it and because I know it's gone. But, oh, they really are doing, they're doing something special. Well, they spoke to your 80s heart. It, too. They're going, so they're traveling through time for whatever reason, I won't go into it. And I'm only on seventh episode. I don't even know how many there are. And I'm, I just stopped at the eighties episode and they're going, and I've just now realized seven episodes in every era they go to, they go through all of that era's tropes for movies. That's so genius. And the eighties one got me right away. I was like, Oh, obviously all these like zoom ins and references. I got it. Cause I'm an eighties kid. And I, ah. Uh, it is unfucking believable. It's such a good season. They are leaving on such a high note. I'm so sad to see it go, but I'm really enjoying it. It is nice to see Marvel handling TV shows well. I adore Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I really, really do. I feel like I'm the only person that's watched this much of it, though. Everyone I talk to are like, yeah, I've seen something or most people haven't seen anything. And I think that I think everyone should watch it. It's super fun. It sounds super fun. I'm still fucking revved up and ready for WandaVision. Right? I have never been so excited about like a superhero thing in a while. Well, that'll Except be good. maybe the Suicide Squad. That, that was a pretty exciting teaser. Should we get into some nerd news? Let's do some nerd news. So Warner Brothers has likely changed the movie industry forever by announcing its entire film slate for the next 12 months will follow Wonder Woman 1984 on HBO Max. That's giant. That's huge. Every one of their next 18 films will open concurrently streaming and in theaters. What does that include? Okay, so it's Dune, Godzilla vs. Kong, Suicide Squad, Mortal Kombat. 
Matrix <laughs> 4, Space Jam. Yeah, there's a lot. And it's a big deal. And AMC and theaters in general are none too happy about it. I mean, can you blame them, though? Either party? I'm Well, no, I can't blame Warner Brothers at all. Because selfishly, why would they deny us that the people who are actually being conscientious and not going out, why should we have to suffer? Why not give it to us on, on streaming? Exactly. Yeah. So AMC is saying that they are going to aggressively pursue economic terms that preserve their business. It is a bummer as like as someone who loves going to movie theaters, but I also love my health and the health of those I care about. Yeah, more. adapt or die, literally. You have to. Yeah. Same thing with Blockbuster. They were so late on the train of going online and doing mailing out DVDs because they. I think they were going to do a subscription service. I think they started to do some mailing out like Netflix did to try and compete, but it was just so late in the game. By the way, (laughs) I just explained to my kids what Netflix was. Oh, man. Like 10, 11 years ago. Well, I could actually show them what it looks like because I think I have. You still have some. I think I still have some they never returned. (laughs) Yeah, that blew their fucking minds. They're like, you're making that up. I'm like, I'm not making that up. It really was real. I'm like, thanks for gaslighting me, though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, grandma's at it again. (laughs) And when you logged onto the internet, you'd hear a screeching noise. Yeah, so you couldn't log on at night on the family computer without waking up your mom. God, they really have no idea. I don't think they've ever spoken on a landline. Um, DC's Plastic Man is changing gears to a female lead. So DC and Warner Brothers are reimagining the Plastic Man movie and have hired my favorite, Kat Vasco from Lumberjanes to make it more female-centric. Nice. Yeah. And... It's kind of unclear if we're going to get like a plastic woman or a plastic man will still be the protagonist or or if it'll be altered in any kind of way. But of course, toxic fanboys are already losing their fucking minds over it. It's just like Elastigirl. What's the point? They're taking it away. Well, not even that. Just like, how dare you? Plastic man is for the boys. (laughs) (laughs) He was representing all the plastic men. (laughs) How dare you take that away from us? I will not have this Ken doll erasure. (laughs) I found this really interesting. So Rosie Perez commented about Birds of Prey, and it really changed how I looked at the film. Mm -hmm. I love it. But I didn't, it didn't even occur to me that there was some ageism in it. She played, of course, Renee Montoya in the film, but she was asked about a possible sequel. She responded with, when you say that, the first thing that came to mind was, oh my God, I have to lose weight and get in shape again. Hopefully there won't be any ageist type jokes in this one as well. Having me called grandma, that was the only thing. I was like, really guys? Really? I was like, would you have the nerve to say that to Helen Mirren and her 50 million action movies? No. There's my respect on that. She really does. She's fucking amazing. She's an icon. Yeah. I didn't even catch. But to be fair, I'm not the best about keeping my ages bullshit to myself. Even in our own friendship. Weird. (laughs) Who, me? Oh, but you? No way. Okay, boomer. (laughs) The erasure of Gen X, I will not stand for. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, it's it's extremely prevalent in Hollywood too. You know, oh, when yeah. women become irrelevant at a certain age. But I feel like women of color at even more of a disadvantage. Yeah, I, I, she's amazing. I did catch it in the movie, but mostly because I, I get it in real life too. So moving on, 2020 Sexiest Man Alive, Michael B. Jordan is starting in OnlyFans. I'm excited. Are you excited? Thank fucking God. Finally, something good in 2020. Now he all the proceeds are going to go towards a barber school because during quarantine, there have been so many businesses and schools that have shut down. This man is a treasure. That's such a, a good way to give back to the community, too, with your body. With your booty. Which, actually, we're going to be talking about a bit later, how OnlyFans, in this case, empowers the community, but it empowers individuals, too. It is a rough time that we're all going through, and you can't blame anybody for trying to supplement their income now or even in other circumstances. Yeah. It's, it's not like the pandemic is special. Yeah, it should it should never be an issue. Who cares? Who cares? Come on. Who cares? But I love that. Oscar Isaac has been chosen to play Solid Snake in the Metal Gear Solid movie, being directed by Jordan Vaught Roberts, who hasn't done that much as far as I know. Yeah, I see Hollywood giving more chances to quote unquote newcomers more yeah, often. I like that's that. Great. Um the only thing I don't like about Oscar Isaac in this role is that we get one less beautiful Oscar Isaac guy. I hope that he realizes that he's in a Mandalorian cult like Din Djarin and just removes the eye patch. You don't have to keep it on. Let us see you. See all of you. Honestly, start an OnlyFans, Oscar Isaac. You're really letting us down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to some MCU news. Not only did we get to see behind the scene pictures of Haley Steinfeld who was in the Bumblebee movie we just talked about. Adorable. Didn't have to be that good for a Transformers movie. She's going to be playing Kate Bishop with Lucky the Pizza Duck. I'm very excited. But we have a rumor, too, that Florence Pugh, who plays Yelena Belova in the Black Widow movie, is heading to the Hawkeye series as well. Just a rumor, but worth mentioning. I mean, she's a pretty heavy hitter in Hollywood, too. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal to get her over there. Amazon's Lord of the Rings series just announced their second wave of casting, a whopping 20 new additions to the series. Of course, all set in Middle Earth, Second Age. I, ooh, you're losing your mind. I mean, after the Hobbit movies, I just, I want it to redeem itself, you know? I don't know. Were the Hobbit movies bad? This is the Lord of the Rings version of like the Mandalorian. (laughs) (laughs) Give it to me. Maybe there'll be a fucking baby Frodo. This is something that really touched my heart. Of course, Elliot Page came out as trans earlier this week and Netflix was really on the ball and updated all of Elliot's credits and informed us that he will continue to play Vanya on the Umbrella Academy, which is a point of a lot of debate. Are they going to change Vanya's character at all to reflect what's happening in Elliot's life? Is Elliot going to continue to play a cisgender female? I don't fucking care. They can do whatever the hell they want. They don't even have to change it. It would be cool to see that representation and that character because the show, like we said before, really improves upon the comic source and made it more diverse. And I can't see why they can't make that canon. 
But I wouldn't be mad if they didn't change her either. Yeah. As long as Elliot feels comfortable playing that. I don't think it's the same as a cisgender person playing a trans person because you're not taking jobs away from, you know, a group of people who are already oppressed and there's not enough jobs for. Um, I have a lot of, of Mando notes. Do you want to get into The Mandalorian? Season two, episode six, The Tragedy. So... Directed by Robert Rodriguez. Love that. I adore. I read his book, Rebel Without a Crew, and wanted to be a filmmaker so bad when I was younger. I adore Robert Rodriguez. Um, He's probably the reason I eventually became a makeup artist because that was somehow parallel and part of the industry that I wanted to be in. So I love him. So anyway. Well, and written by John Favreau. Yes. And then it's called The Tragedy. So we knew what we were in for. I wasn't super stoked to see that title. We got like some really fun titles like The Jedi, (laughs) The Heiress. Let me just start by saying that my son cried. I had to stop the episode for like five minutes to console him because he didn't even want to go on. No. (laughs) Yeah, he was destroyed, just sobbing uncontrollably. Kids are honestly the purest when they're watching movies. They're so invested. He adores this show. Like he walks around in his Mandalorian mask holding a baby Yoda toy like pretty much all day long. I was pretty fucking torn up too. I'm not going to lie. And I'm not even the biggest baby Yoda fan. (laughs) So let's talk about the beginning. They're playing catch. Din is giggling at Grogu reacting to his name. We haven't really heard him laugh that much, have we? He is getting soft and it is cute as fuck. Dadalorian all the way. I saw a super cut of every time someone said Grogu and Grogu's reaction. It's always a different little. Oh oh my God. Obsessed with the reaction. And it's so funny because we both were like, oh, when he reacts to his name and then they actually made that a point in this episode to have Din react to it because it's the cutest goddamn fucking thing. Okay, wait, since we're on the subject of using his name, when they actually landed on Typhon, which is, of course, where Ahsoka pulled Din to head to with Grogu, just place them on the seeing stone and hopefully connect with other Jedi and the Force. When he goes into super meditation mode, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Din doesn't use his name. Let's go a little step before that. In a true dad mode, he walks around looking for an on button. (laughs) Do I have a place to turn this thing on? (laughs) Oh my God. Dad. He should have actually crawled on like the big stone pillars and like adjusted the satellite, (laughs) the antenna. And then, yeah, he never called his name, which to me seemed pretty stupid, but I was so taken aback by his lotus position. Like it was the cutest goddamn thing I've ever fucking seen. Like second to only him to reacting to his name, his little meditation. Oh my God. Couple, I'm just going to throw out some key points like I did last time. Okay. So the return of Fennec. Fantastic. Always love to see her. I thought she died. No, I I think they left that pretty open, but we also thought that Boba died. Boba died. Kind of like the, you know, this is the resurrection episode. Well, Boba's the one who helped her, which is why they're teamed up. She's kind of repaying a debt to him, right? Now they're a fucking power couple. We love that. Oh my God. I love it so much. Boba Fett in Boba Fett gear doing badass Boba Fett shit. (laughs) Boba Fett, Boba Fett, not over this episode. (laughs) Old man Boba. I am fucking here for it. I fucking love it. And now they're a part of Mando's crew. It's like he's 
traveling the traveling the galaxy with his son and they're getting friends and i fucking love it the gaffy stick that he oh. was wielding mm-hmm. and just straight up bashing through mm-hmm. stormtroopers helmets that was amazing and then when he had his gear on and was shooting shit out of his knees and fucking shooting up into the air fucking oh. aren't those the same sticks that tuscan raiders use yes I've never seen them wielded like that before, though. No, no, not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was wild. But yeah, they were just taking care of fucking business in that episode. And I was kind of surprised because I thought that Boba Fett was going to be more antagonistic. Mm -hmm. But he, like, was immediately a good guy. (laughs) Can we talk about those crazy-looking dark troopers that captured Grogu. Those things were terrifying. And then also the buildup, like Robert Rodriguez did such a good job of like building the tension of them running to him and them coming down from the sky and Din running and them coming down from the sky. And it was really great. It was not good for my anxiety. (laughs) I I needed Xanax for this episode just to get through. Is that, is that the first time we heard Moff Gideon refer to them as dark troopers? I don't think we've heard that name before. I think I've heard a lot of people calling them that. I don't think we've heard not it. officially. Although my son knew what they were right away. So interesting. Are you ready to talk about Grogu force killing stormtroopers? So fucking adorable. Oh, how can he still be cute? Adorable? He's murdering. Like, we love a fucking murderer. <laughs> I loved it. And then, of course, the worst thing to happen... We're getting the space Bostonian back. Okay, it was bad enough having to see Cara Dune again. <laughs> but now he's enlisting Cara Dune to find fucking Bill Burr. Get out of here. They both what? get lost on the way or something. Why Bill Burr, though? Like, of all the people to play Mayfield, why Bill Burr? But then I got an answer to that. Okay. I looked it up and okay. I shared it with you. John Favreau thought it would be even more amusing to cast him because of all of his criticism of Star Wars. Come on. Why couldn't you fan cat? Like, you'd get a fan. You know how many fucking huge fans? You killed off that are actors. Brian Posehn in the first fucking episode and you're going to bring back Space Bostonian? I feel like Brian Posehn probably wanted that. There's there's something very comedic about that. (laughs) Bill Burr, not a good comedian. Not a good actor. Not a good person. Not a good. Not a good person. <laughs> also, who? The, how the fuck can you trust him? That just feels super risky. Bill Burr or his character Mayfield. <laughs> Either, honestly. Either. Um. Yeah. It's mm, all right. Whatever. And then we lost. Uh, we lost a ship. The Razor Crest. The aftermath of the Razor Crest blowing up. Okay. Nothing's left. It's basically incinerated, except yeah. for the silver ball, mm-hmm. which is kind of emotional. He takes that, puts it in his pocket, but also the best car spear. Of still course. Exists. God, best car, man. Can't I want beat everything it. made out of best car. Well, like I said before, like the introduction of that best car spear, especially how you could wield it against a, a lightsaber really foreshadows the upcoming battle that Bando's um, going to have with Moff Gideon. It's going to be epic. It's going to be and so it's good. it's cool to see the Darksaber, too. Yeah. Um, so, Why is Bo-Katan showing up? Come on. Well, we've only got a few more episodes left, so not only are we going to get her back, obviously, we are also going to probably get another Jedi because he did call out with the Force. 
That's true. Do you want to talk about who he could have possibly called? Who's alive right now that we know? Obviously, it's Luke Skywalker. Oh, if only. God damn. Right? Sebastian Stan? I don't know. It's too early. There's so many um, people that are saying it's Ezra from the Rebels cartoon since they're pulling so much from the cartoons. Like, there's a lot of people saying that they're setting it up to be Ezra, that it's obvious. But That's not as exciting, though. It could be Ezra. It could be... Cal from the Fallen Order game, which okay. I'm playing right now, which there was a lot of backlash against having a ginger Jedi. <laughs> Did you well, know that? That's fucking ridiculous. They can only be working for the Empire like General Hux. Yeah. And then, of course, Luke and Leia. They're both alive. I have a question for you. Do you think that Mando is force sensitive? No. No. I had this discussion with our friend Gannon, uh, and he was of the mind that he that that's what Ahsoka was alluding to that that would be the Jedi that finds him, ah. but it doesn't it doesn't feel that way to me at all. I think it takes away from the idea that Mandalorian, even though he is very talented and good at what he does, he is like an everyman, well, and we're seeing it through an everyman's perspective. It's plausible because he was a foundling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, like his precision, there's like when when they were at um, the magistrate's place and there was like that droid behind him and he was all kaplow, like just so with ra- razor sharp precision. Street smarts, though. I think it's that. I think he has that helmet that also helps him with the precision. But I, I honestly don't think that he's force sensitive. That's my I, And he's also not take. the most badass Mandalorian. We saw that this episode of Boba Fett. Woo. Wow. And thank God he's not an adversary because Mando would be in fucking trouble. He's like assembling a fucking squad for being a lone wolf for so long. Yes. Yes. Love your squad, Mando. This whole series was just about making friends. It's beautiful. Accepting help, making friends. Making friends, having kids. Oh, yeah. How community is important when you become a father. Yeah. This is a lot of life lessons here. Village. <laughs> I am so excited to see what happens next week. And I know that you've talked to me about the fact that this season is not that accessible to people who aren't big Star Wars geeks, but I am more pumped. No, it's not for this even season. not big Star Wars geeks. Even people who consider themselves huge Star Wars geeks, like uh, Danny Beck, didn't watch the animated series. But it speaks to the fact that you don't have to because he's loving this season as well for some people for some smart people i'm not as well versed in the animated series and i had to do some i had to do some research to make sure that i was wasn't missing anything and for a lot of people that could take them out of it or if they didn't know that they were referencing things from the animated series and they're like why why are we getting this two-dimensional character? I didn't feel like anybody was that. You don't really know much about them without the lore. I'm loving it. I cannot wait for the next episode. I think this season's better than last season. I'm on the edge of my seat every episode. Okay. I don't think it's any worse than season one. I I do feel like I have to do more work. To be fair, we have a nerd podcast, so I have to do more work. <laughs> and maybe that's part of it, but... I'm having a good time. I feel really bad for Ani, who didn't even watch season one. And I just threw her right into season two with no context. <laughs> you know what? I think kids are really adaptable because a lot of the times there's a lot of context that kids don't get, even if they've seen the whole thing. You know what I mean? 
There's a lot of... I mean, in life in general, there is like no contacts for anything when you're super tiny. Exactly. And they sort of that they sort of pick it up. We really get worse as we get older, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we need everything spoon fed to us. We're like, what are you trying to say? What's that in reference to? What do you mean? <laughs> I don't want to roll with the punches. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me. New information. Blah. <laughs> is that all the nerd news? I think that's it, baby girl. I loves it. I love ending on the Mando. Uh, I'm sure you've got a juicy comics list for us. Comics. Captain Marvel, number 24. Heroes at Home, number one. Something very interesting that Marvel's doing. We get to see our favorite superheroes in quarantine. I love this. I mean, it's corny as fuck. And could be seen as, you know, performative. But... I still think it's responsible and cute, especially for younger readers. Like it's a good example. Um, Books of Magic Volume One, of course, the trade back. Wonder Woman number seven sixty eight. Buff the Vampire Slayer Volume Three, trade back. Getting it together number three. Homesick Pilots number one. We've been talking about this for a while. It looks fucking fantastic. Archie Christmas Special number one. I just love the theme. I'm going to, every fucking holiday special, you know I'm going to put it on this list. So don't roll your eyes at me. Pantomime number two and Terminal Punks number two. We added some indie. We're trying to diversify. You already know what's going on with Marvel and DC. Let's fucking expand our horizons. That's it, baby. The presenting sponsor of Masters of the Obvious is... Us! Producing a podcast is expensive, but you can keep this crazy trainer running. MastersoftheObvious.com has all your Motopod merch needs. You have the perfect present for that nerdy person in your life? Is that person you? Hey, treat yourself, because we have the perfect place for you. MastersoftheObvious.com. Buy merch, be a hero to these needy nerds. We have one of my favorite people on today, Timothy Heller. She is a musician, mental health advocate, and a spicy entrepreneur. Welcome to the show, Timothy. Hi. What a, what a fun time to be Zooming together. <laughs> We're just Zooming right along. You're Zooming right along. Um, I'm going to start at the top, the most obvious question. Where the hell did your music journey start? Um, Well, I am originally from Portland. I moved to LA when I was like 22. So yeah, I always was into music in school. I was always doing choir and show choir. Show choir? Like competitively? Um, we may have gone to some competitions, oh. but it was mostly just I'm getting school. total glee vibes. <laughs> it was kind of glee ish, oh, yes. yes. Uh, and I was in musicals. Eventually, I was in a band in high school called Espios, which means spies in Portuguese. Ooh. It was very indie, but yeah, that's you know, kind of that's what started me doing music, I guess. What kind of music did you, li- did you listen to? What bands or singers were you into oh it changed so much throughout my life like my parents only listened to country radio so I listened to a lot of 90s country yes um but in high school I was more into like uh I really like Tegan and Sarah and 
Rilo Kylie and yeah yeah yeah's that's Sorry, my vibe, I guess. I feel like all of those aged really well, too. Oh, they did. I'm still equally into all of them. <laughs> what were you up to after high school? Well, I graduated in 2010 and I tried going to college. Um, I ended up going to cosmetology school. I love that. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't know that. I didn't um, know that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's not purposefully a secret, but not a lot of people know because I never, you know, worked in the salon after that. But I, what kind of happened is that I um, I started going to it and then I met uh, my bandmate from dresses while I was attending beauty school. And I was like, oh, okay, I actually can do music. And I like, that's kind of why I never got licensed that makes perfect uh, sense how did you yeah. meet him uh just a mutual friend um i i guess we met on the internet i can't think of what uh social media platform it would have been in 2012 but uh <laughs> we just like met up to jam and uh <laughs> we wrote our first single for dresses the first day we met um and then we started dating yeah dresses is <laughs> really successful and you've done tours and plenty of interviews about it. I want to hear about what that was like for you, especially looking back on it. Um, it was definitely very cool and surreal at first to like be doing like North America tours. I got to open for some really cool bands that I liked. We opened for Kate Nash and Phoenix. Um, yeah, it was definitely very cool. I feel like, I don't know, I was doing it at such a young age. I don't even think I like realized how cool it was at the time. You know, the complicated part was that I was dating my bandmate and uh, eventually we broke up and it ended up being a pretty toxic situation. And uh, I ended up kind of having to choose if I wanted to put up with being in this toxic situation and keep being in dresses or if I wanted to let go of it. And eventually I realized that it was better for my mental health to let go. Totally. And the wise words of Jewel, you freed your mind and your intuition. <laughs> That's exactly why I did it because of Jewel. 2017 was a strange year, especially in your life. Um, the Me Too movement was going on and you were very inspired by people coming out with their own stories. And it led to a very interesting series of events. And I like to hear that in your words. Yeah. So um, like you said, I was inspired by other people speaking up and it just kind of made me fully realize um, what I had been through myself. And I decided to speak out about an abuser of mine who was a former friend. And yeah, I've kind of been dealing with the backlash of that ever since. It's so incredibly unfortunate that we've created such a toxic, hostile environment for victims to come forward. It really deter deters a lot of people from speaking their truth. Yeah, I wish that I could say that it was easy and that everyone should do it because I, you know... I really haven't seen the positive sides of speaking out on my end, but the things that made it worth it were, you know, hearing from people that my story helped 
And that's really what made speaking out worth it, I guess. And, you know, not to make this a sad interview, but I feel like, at least in our friendship, knowing about what you did and the courage that you had made it easier for me to talk to you about my experiences too. And I think what doing that does is open a lot of doors of communication and trust. Even if you're facing backlash, you can have some really genuine connections outside of that. Definitely. So anyway, I'm very proud of you. (laughs) So after, I mean, not even after that, it's still ongoing unfortunately, but you kind of struck out on your own um, doing your own music. You just released your self-titled EP last year. Really beautiful. Listen to it frequently. Share it frequently. I don't have to. Plenty of people already do. (laughs) It's just a gift. And And I've heard it been described as bedroom pop rock, which I didn't know was a thing. Yeah. (laughs) All I can think of is like eating pop rocks in your bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Bedroom pop. I don't know. Bedroom pop reminds me of like Claro, who like literally did record songs in her bedroom at first. I think Billie Eilish did that too, right? And like that makes sense. But like mine wasn't recorded. Mine was recorded in my living room. I'd call it living room pop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Technically, I feel like you should put on a fedora and be like, ah. Holy <laughs> lady. Um, I particularly like the song Not Even For You. I've definitely teared up a couple times listening to it. And it was just such an earworm for so long. I would be singing it and then I'm like, I need to cleanse my ears and listen to the real version because <laughs> that ain't it, sis. And you've said that it's about dating with mental illness during a really dark time in your life. I'd really love to hear you expand on that that is also the my favorite song that I've written and I just think it's because I was really honest when I was writing it I remember writing that at a very dark point mentally I was like just starting to regularly go to therapy and like try to work through old traumas and whatnot and it was just feeling like a lot and I was also getting into a new relationship that was like good, but I couldn't help but feel like this burden and like I had all of this baggage with mental illness. So that's kind of what the song is about. It's like the most difficult thing about having mental illness and, you know, any kind of chronic illness, me with Crohn's and with, you know, ADHD, depression and anxiety, you feel like a burden. Mm -hmm. And you just feel heavy, like you've got a really heavy backpack on all the time. Yeah, it was like, um, I think if you listen to the lyrics, you can kind of tell that it's like a warning to someone who is about to get in a relationship with me, Mm -hmm. Um, which is sad that I guess people with any type of illness feel like that they have to warn someone of like what is coming along with them. I think that's a pretty universal feeling. I really love how candid you are about mental health, especially with younger fans and really connect with them on that level because it is so alienating how like plastic and weird the music industry is and how untouchable people seem. Yeah, I what I try to think of when I am candid about mental health online is like what would have helped me when I've been struggling, like what would have helped me to see online? And like, 
I think that if I was a teenager and going through what I did go through as a teenager, if I'd seen someone like me struggling with it too, it would have been, you know, such a relief. Mm -hmm. And I want to be that for teenagers, you know? Yeah, I could totally see that. Being genuine, whether it's in real life, online, whatever, it does open you up to a lot of criticism. It makes you vulnerable. So it's not particularly a fun thing. It's like giving people who don't like you ammo almost. Yeah, it's true. I do kind of go back and forth between how public I am online. Mm -hmm. Like right now, I'm not really posting a lot on my main account and I'm, you know, it's kind of refreshing to not read things about me constantly, but. And then it's jarring to return to it too. It is. Yeah. And, but regardless of if I'm active or not, I'm never going to, you know, present in a false way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really important and really brave. So obviously the pandemic has been an unholy shit storm for all of us. And unfortunately, you are an exception because your name isn't Jeff Bezos. I remember being very excited because you were about to go on tour and it was set for May, I believe, this year. Yep, it was. Yeah. And obviously it was postponed by events. Um, What was that like? Like, where was your head at? It was weird. I mean, like at first, you know, we didn't know. We were like, maybe let's just push it back a couple months. And now it's just Mm -hmm. like, okay, I got to let go of that plan for now. We were really optimistic in the beginning of quarantine. They're like, yeah, 60 more days, we really 90 more days. Now we're just like, life's completely changed. Yeah. We've just kind of resolved. Don't know when or if that's ever going to happen again. Uh, I do hope to play shows in the future, but yeah, it was kind of weird to have to let go of that. How else has your life changed during quarantine? Well, my day job was working at a music venue. So that isn't going to be happening for a very long time now. Yeah. So no day job. I was getting unemployment at first, but not anymore. Uh, Now I get $70 a week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Big balling. Uh, (laughs) But... That's kind of what um, inspired me to start doing OnlyFans. So I just um, requested you on Venmo, if you could, please. Oh, right. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. As much as you want. <laughs> Clearly. You don't need all 70 of those doll hairs. Come on. No, 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 no. I need to redistribute. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> You're a terrible communist. We really need to comrade you up. <laughs> Fucking money got weird and... Now you have, now you're a spicy entrepreneur. Exactly. That's what my business card says. Yep. You're on nothing else. You're on OnlyFans now. Yep. I am. And I feel like there's a lot of confusion surrounding OnlyFans. Like it's not only for like sex work and nudes. It's also used for other things. Yeah. You can technically put out whatever kind of content you want on it. It's just widely used for sex work. I feel like Patreon before that was kind of the the it spot because you see musicians and artists on Patreon, but then you saw like a flood of sex workers too. And um, then it became like a running joke, like, um, she has a Patreon. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think the jokes probably mostly surround OnlyFans at this point, just because it's, they've shifted over there. But in, I think like, 
I'm pretty sure the platforms run almost identically. I guess I've never really looked at Patreon that much, but I'm pretty sure it's very similar. Yeah. And so you've been kind of using your time on there to basically supplement your income right now, huh? Yep. And it's been pretty great. It's been very refreshing to actually make money. I mean, I'm making more than I was at my day job and like, I actually like have control over it. So it's, yeah, definitely nice for me right now. Yeah. Um, how does that actually work? So you have an account and you have like subscribers. How do, how do you break that down? Yeah, they're called fans, but they subscribe to you every month for however much you want. You can set the price and you can post whatever kind of content you want and you can send out pay-per-view messages. So they're they're locked and they can uh, you can set the price at whatever you want to unlock them. I love that. I'm going to subscribe to everyone's OnlyFans. <laughs> Please don't. It's too weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but... What if I just like subscribe to yours and just never look at it? Okay, you can I'll just go. <laughs> I've had a couple weird interactions of people like that, like definitely thought that I wouldn't feel weird about it, but I'm like, mm, maybe don't. <laughs> <laughs> people that I know a little too well and I'm like, I don't know if this is the place for you. <laughs> but I, I, it is great because it does put the power back in the creator's hands to some extent. I'm sure there's a little bit of overhead and they take stuff. What is the percentage? Mm -hmm. They take um, 20%. Jeez, that's crazy. Yeah, kind of high. It's a spicy Etsy. Yeah, that's true. Especially like compared to other alternatives. I remember the only thing similar to it when I was younger, at least in my fucking consciousness, was suicide girls and I remember really wanting to be a suicide girl and then I had friends who were models and they revealed to me like oh you only get paid like a set amount of money and it's pretty low and then they own all the images yeah I remember people being really unhappy with suicide girls but I definitely also really wanted to be one with like no tattoos or piercings at the time like not qualified to be a suicide girl (laughs) Dude, they were everywhere. I think I even saw them on an episode of like CSI Miami or something. Oh, hell yeah. They were fucking huge. (laughs) But I do think I'm on CSI Miami someday. (laughs) (laughs) As a dead body. (laughs) I I hope you replace the sunglasses guy. I think you could do the sunglasses really great. Oh, I think I could too. But I, I think that. I mean, with a lot of um, different eras of sex work, whether it be like Playboy or the introduction of like online porn and suicide girls, I think we gradually started breaking down the stigma of it. Yeah, totally. Like, especially with OnlyFans, there's a lot of people that finally feel like accepted and safe enough to do that. And that's pretty amazing. It's still not perfect though people are still getting fired from their jobs because they're having only fans and then they're always going to have shitty dude bros making jokes about only fans but yeah you don't go into people's jobs and fucking well i guess people do go into people's jobs and shame them but not that's true <laughs> not to that extent it's just stupid yeah in my perspective from like what I've gone through online, I I know that there's like, you know, always those risks, but I was like, I get told 
some terrible shit about myself every day. And like, ever since I started this, I'm like, oh, I'm actually getting like some positive feedback for once. Yeah. This, this is nice. Um, so in comparison, honestly. <laughs> it's such a funny, like, I don't think you should get any negative stuff for anything, but you would think with how like stigmatized it is that that would be like throwing a Molotov cocktail on it. <laughs> But I love that it hasn't like it almost renewed my faith in humanity. Yeah, it's been pretty refreshing for me to like, at least for now, let go of the pressure of music for a bit and focus on this. I love this for you. (laughs) Um, Let's move on to like a little bit lighter subjects. So we are obviously friends. Hi, just reminding you. Um, (laughs) One of the funniest things to come out of our friendship was that one of several Timothy Heller fan accounts created like an elimination game and they included like friends in your life. It had like your dog, had your boyfriend, um, your real life best friend, and even my kids at one point. (laughs) (laughs) And it was brutal <laughs> it was it was really brutal i love uh the person who runs the fan account they were totally kidding but it's just so funny and i'm just, just sure, so savage i'm pretty sure one of your children lost the first round and i'm yeah so my eldest <laughs> first round but when it, i think it came down to like i think it was my dog and my middle kid ani <laughs> I think Ani won, so she may have won. You, Junie. Yeah, proud of her for that. I really am. I feel like that should go like in her obituary. Was I in this like elimination game? Like, did she beat me? (laughs) Maybe it was. Maybe it was just like a like a broader Timothy universe, like the MCU. And they did another for Halloween that was like, who would survive the zombie apocalypse or something? And I did not win, and I was in it. I think I was one of the first ones to die. <laughs> With an ass that fat, you're basically bait for zombies. I'm a target. You're yeah, a target. target. You got a target <laughs> literally on your backside. <laughs> I was. I mean, they know me well. Let's just say that. Yeah. You can't just have a dump truck ass and expect <laughs> no one to notice when you bark it. <laughs> zombies are going to notice. They're going to know. I want to play a game with you, and I'm sure there's a more um, PC name for it, but we're just going to cut to the chase. It's Mary Fuck Kill. Mm-hmm. A, yeah, a family classic. I'm going to start pretty chill, and it's going to get worse. <laughs> it's going to get bad. It's just going to get worse. Um, this is a classic trio. Edward, Bella, and Jacob. Um easy mary edward fuck bella kill jacob did you watch the happiest season oh the the lesbian movie no i didn't kristen stewart (laughs) oh my god you're in for a wild ride should i watch it like ironically like is it worth watching no it's actually pretty enjoyable even though it's not perfect i mean it's still a cheesy very mixed messages about it it's a cheesy romedy but yeah, you're it's it's this almost a very similar thing to Twilight where it's like Wow. <laughs> it's like a trio and you have to like choose between are you team Riley? Are you team Abby or Jacob? <laughs> I love like looking back, people are like, Why were we like team Jacob or team Edward? We're all team Kristen now. Yeah, that's very true. Bella as a person, I don't know. 
<laughs> Adam Sandler, Steve Buscemi, Rob Schneider. This one really speaks to me. Mary, Adam Sandler, kill Steve Buscemi, fuck Rob Schneider. But only Rob Schneider and Hot Chick. That is, yeah, that is incredibly true. I am a big Happy Madison fan. So I'm really sorry, Steve Buscemi. I know he is in a couple of things, but it's just... I'd be so has my heart. (laughs) I hope that like his in memoriam is just um, celebrities with his eyes pasted on. Do you remember the Steve Buscemi eyes thing? Yes, I do. That was that was a good moment in meme history. If you do that with me, I look exactly the same. Yeah, right. It's true. It's absolutely true. (laughs) Doctor Phil, Rachel Ray, Doctor Oz. Mary, Dr. Phil, kill Rachel Ray, plus <gasps> Dr. Oz. I know. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want good cooking for the rest of your life? That Well, because I need to marry Dr. Phil. I have no choice. So fucking her wouldn't guarantee me good cooking for the rest of my life. Fair enough. I guess we we need a doc. We need to, as many doctors as we can. We're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> and finally, Mr. Clean. So, wait, this is exactly like Dr. Phil. Just kidding. Mr. Clean. <laughs> wait, no, it absolutely is the almost like it's a cartoon <laughs> mascot version of what I just gave you. Mr. Clean, Pine Saw Lady, and the Brawny Man. I can't picture Pine Saw Lady. What does she look like? She's just this like really dope lady who loves the smell of Pine Saw. Well, I'm going to have to look her up, but she sounds lovely and I'll marry her. She's into aromatherapy. Yeah, we love that. Um, I love that for my life partner. I will then <laughs> fuck the brawny man and kill the, uh, Mr. Clean, not Dr. Clean. Oh, shit. What did Mr. Clean do? He's creepy. Who the fuck wears all white, though? Yeah, he's creepy. A psycho. A psycho wears all white. You can't trust him. I don't know if you won that. Can you win at Mary Fuck Kill? I don't think I you won. can. <laughs> you won. We're going to settle right now. Timothy won that game. Yes. Okay. Let's do a little tying of loose ends and telling all of our listeners where they can find you on the internet. Uh, my Instagram is Timothy Heller. Um, you can also stream my music on any of your preferred streaming platforms. Hell yeah. Also, if you don't know her, subscribe to our OnlyFans. Yeah, if you if you want. If that's your, Just don't make it thing. weird. Just don't make it weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was a great interview. I really appreciate you being on and I love you. <laughs> I love you. We did it! Thank you so much to our guest, Timothy Heller. What a fucking delight. Check out our website, mastersoftheobvious.com for new episodes, news, and merch. Our Instagram, at Masters of the Obvious. Facebook, at Masters of the Obvious. And Twitter, at Masters of the O. And if you'd like to be a patron of our show, you can go to contribute.mastersoftheobvious.com. And if you'd like, we'll even mention you on the show. But if you want to remain anonymous, we understand. We don't want to be associated with us either. Please don't forget to leave a glowing review on Apple Podcasts and to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening. And we love you, like, a lot. Bottom massage machine, go!